The opening week of the NFL is brought to you by Mack Weldon. Mack Weldon is a premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Mack Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. Promo code Locked On gets you 20% at MacWeldon.com. Here we are, the Locked On NFL podcast. Alongside the scout, Matt Williamson, I am Brian Peacock, taking you around the league on the Locked On Podcast Network, the number one daily local sports podcast network. You can subscribe to the show on all of your favorite podcast apps, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at BDPeacock. You can find Matt at Williamson NFL. And you can find our guest today, Mike Sando at Sando NFL. How are you, fellas? I'm doing great. So we've got a lot to get into. Some mega contracts coming down today. We've got the Jared Goff contract. Uh, We've got the Zeke Elliott contract. And, of course, Mike, uh, one of your latest at The Athletic talking to NFL executives, which uh, you've done a lot of this offseason on what all 32 teams should worry about entering the season. We're going to pick a few of those teams and get into those at the end of the show. But we've got to start with the new contracts around the league. And I want to start with Zeke. Matt, you and I talked about this contract yesterday and what we thought it meant. And now that we see what uh, the numbers are exactly, we kind of know what this means and, and what it looks like for the Cowboys going forward. And Mike, I want to get your opinions on this contract. It's six years, 90 million. So that's 50 mil per year. And I think it was obvious that he was going to go over what Todd Gurley made and be the highest paid per year running back in the NFL. But when we saw the specifics of the deal, I think it's the guaranteed stuff that's the most important. And he went way above and beyond all the running backs in the league and guaranteed money. And I got to believe it's the guarantees that really held up this deal because I think everybody knew, including the Cowboys, they were going to have to pay Zeke per year more than what Todd Gurley was getting. And the fully guaranteed at signing is 36 point. $9 million, which is a ton compared to the rest of the league at running back and up to $58 million guaranteed, including injury guarantees after the 2021 season. Yeah, and I don't think it comes to any, any shock, the, the shock of anyone that Jerry Jones would be aggressive, would get his top guy in. The more and more I look at this Cowboys team, the more I think they are a true contender, but they aren't without Elliott. And I mean, I, getting him in there was the utmost importance. And it got done. I think no one's shock. Um, you mentioned the guaranteed money. I do think it's important people realize this is an extension. It's not a contract in itself. So really, the the signing bonus is spread out over his current years and the number of years on top of that. And my hunch is they could probably get out of this thing three years down the road, four years down the road, if they had to. Yeah, absolutely. I think there's some structure in here. It looks like in the cash flow of it where um, they, the team has a little bit of flexibility um, earlier in the deal. So you knew it was going to go above Gurley. I thought that was ridiculous for a while. And, you know, the reports were coming out that the offer was between the top two guys. I'm like, uh, he's not nope. signing a deal to be the second <laughs> guy, you know, yeah. it's like, he's either going to be the top guy or we're going to have an issue. So um, he is the top guy. I think it's fairly straightforward to me. Um, you know, it's, these are just more questions about how you're putting together your team, who else is going to get paid. Um, I'm not surprised. I didn't think they were going to not, you know, not pay him. Um, we can debate what a running back should get that much money. I think the next step is how are they going to use him to maximize that value? And that includes the passing game, right? I mean, I think to really get your most out of a back, he's got to be used in that area. And they've got a new coordinator who's probably going to be hopefully asked to do just that. Yeah, let's talk about that just for a second, because one of the allures of Elliott coming out of Ohio State, and 
it seems like all the backs fit, fit this criteria now, but it was only a couple of years ago was, wow, he's really advanced in the passing game. Sturdy, strong in protection, great hands, pretty advanced route runners as running backs go. And then he comes in the league and catches like 20, 30 passes his first two years. And that made me insane. And um, it's one of the easiest ways to pick up yardage in the league right now. I thought that they were very archaic early on without using him more there. And then this past year, he more than, you know, he basically in one year did more than he did in his first two. But still, they were a lot of the dump-off varieties, you know, third yeah. and long, those type of things. And I really think Kellen Moore will do more pre-snap motion, more uh, advanced route concepts with Elliott. So I think the best is yet to come with him as a receiver. And it better be because, I mean, it's there. So yeah, I'll kind of believe it when I see it. I mean, I, I that would be the hope, but I don't know how much different Kellen Moore is going to be from what they've done before. And I think we need to see, you know, how great of a route runner he is on some of those, uh, you know, non-traditional running back routes. I mean, there are some running backs you can really do that. You look at a Christian McCaffrey, yeah. you know, he's in a different level of, uh, you know, probably running routes and in the passing game, and that would sure help. How much money do you think it cost the Zeke who comment from – Jerry Jones, do you think it was going to be about 35 mil guaranteed? And they're like, you know what? It's got to be 36.902 now because you got to have a fine for that. Remember what you is there, said? Yeah. yeah. Is there a column? I want a column for that in the breakdown of the contract. Various <laughs> things, you know, little slights here and there. That'd be awesome. Well, I know you're not a, exactly a cap expert, but you're very familiar with it. They just signed Leo Collins and Jalen Smith right before this, too. I, I mean, I'm sure many of the listeners are like, well, how are they going to get Amari and Dak done? Yeah. Well, one thing we got to find out on Dak is, does he want to do a deal? Is, is he mm-hmm. going to play this thing out? I mean, I think, I think my question is, th- my question is not, can they get deals with those guys? I mean, I think they're going to. Uh, I think that they can pay those guys. It's just when you start having a bunch of guys that are paid, you know, your flexibility goes down. Let's, you know, somebody gets hurt. You got to suddenly go pay in free agency for somebody. Um, that's just what's going to happen. And the Cowboys have been, you know, have gotten out of that. They, they had, had, did have issues. Remember Tony Romo's deal was always a story and the dead money and this and that. Uh, then they drafted really well and they got in a position where they had some cheap players, but you know, the they're paying all those guys now. So in a year from now or 18 months from now, they're going to have a lot invested in a lot of different guys that didn't have invested before. And suddenly you have, you know, a decline in performance or, you know, Zeke gets injured or, or whatever. And you're a little bit, more hamstrung in what you can do. Yeah. So when it comes to the Dak Prescott contract now, there's multiple angles here, and I think the Jared Goff contract plays into that as well. So uh, before we get into that, let's take a quick break here, and then we'll jump into Goff. We'll talk about Dak a little bit, and then uh, we've got a lot to talk about on today's program. Well, hello, everyone. I want to tell you about Mac Weldon, great sponsors of the show. Mac Weldon is better than whatever you're wearing right now. I can promise you. Not me, because I am wearing Mac Weldon. But Mac Weldon is premium men's essentials brand that believes in smart design and premium fabrics. Their mission is simple, really. It's just to make sure all your basics and beyond are smartly designed, and shopping for them is very easy and very convenient. They realized consistent fit and quality became a game of roulette. So they decided to take matters into their own hands. Mack Weldon started from scratch and engineered their own fabric. They made sure the design process was meticulous. So you can count on the fit being the same each time. We built a world-class customer experience. The experience is, is in the details. So they obsessed over every stitch and seam until we reached our definition of perfect. So... 
Mack Weldon believes in smart design, premium fabrics, and simple shopping. It's very easy. Trust me, I'm not the most technical savvy, and I knocked it out in no time. I bought underwear. I bought socks. I bought a hoodie I wear all the time. It, you know, the website was simple to use. It's great. Couldn't recommend them anymore. It's good for working out, going to work, going out on dates, just everyday life, whatever you want. I love the, the way they attack things and the comfort and how easy it is. So here's what you guys have to do. For the first 20% off your first order, that's a big deal, visit MacWeldon.com and enter our promo code LOCKEDON. MacWeldon.com, promo code LOCKEDON. Thanks so much. One of the things I see here with the Zeke Elliott contract that I think is interesting, and I think it plays into Dak and Amari Cooper and everybody else in Dallas, is that it's a six-year deal. And to me, I think that is very smart on the Cowboys' part because they can spread the signing bonus money over the cap and they can do a lot of things massaging the cap over a six-year period, but they have the the cash on hand now to pay him a lot of money up front, which might really help them do some deals down the road. So I think structure is going to be key here when you're talking about signing Zeke to this big deal, signing Dak to a huge deal later. And then now when Jared Goff's contract arrives, four years, $134 million, Dak Prescott's got to say thank you very much. And I think it's a smart move on Los Angeles's part to get a deal done with Goff before Dak and before some of the other quarterbacks that are coming up next. Because basically, uh, by the time Goff's contract in two years, it's you know it's going to look like a bargain and he'll be the sixth or seventh highest paid quarterback like Jimmy Garoppolo is now. Yep, and the cap will just keep going up, so it buys you flexibility. You know you're going to do the deal with the guy, right? I mean, you're not going to probably just go look for a new quarterback. So, um, you know, as long as you're not doing something totally out of line with way moving the market for somebody who's not that type of player, I'm fine with it. Yeah, a couple notes on that is I give the Eagles credit when you look at Wentz, Dak, Goff for being the first ones. You know, like you might as well set the market because if you're third in that one, you're probably going to overpay a little. Um, and then the Rams are smart to get it done before Dak. And, oh, by the way, Goff and Wentz have the same agent. Um, Wentz, to me, is the best player of the group, the most valuable of the group, and maybe he gets the best deal if you're the Eagles. Um, but I think you're right, Mike. I mean, and I'm sure the Joneses know it. This cap's going to go up a lot, and then we'll just give Dak money. Yes, but you would think that Dak would be the one more than those other guys who were, you know, Goff and Wentz are top two picks in the draft. I know it's the new, you know, the new CBA that's about to expire, but you know what I mean? It's, it's, mm-hmm. they've been in the, in the rookie wage scale, but those guys made decent money, you know, and Dak Prescott really hasn't. So you would think Dak could be the first one to be eager to get a deal done at maybe even less than a market, you know, rate by market rate. I mean, less than, you know, going into the top three or five, you know what I mean? Yeah. So it's a, that's the curious part of this to me is Dak seems possibly to be the most willing of any of these guys to bet on himself or, you know, we don't know what the, the Cowboys are offering. They also may just see Dak as less than those guys and not be offering them as much. I find it interesting the $134 million mark is it's exactly what Aaron Rodgers got last year, almost exactly a year to the day. And that ties him on an annual salary level with Aaron Rodgers at $33.5 million per year behind Russell Wilson and behind Ben Roethlisberger. The the guaranteed money, though, is an NFL record $110 million in guarantees. So it's actually about 10 or 12 more than what Rodgers got this time last year and puts Goff just a little bit ahead of Carson Wentz. And I think you're right when you talk about the Eagles maybe playing chess when everyone else is playing checkers. Get that deal done first. I think that's the smartest way to do it. As soon as you know as the team that this is your guy, get that deal done. Because uh, with the way the cap is and the way things are going with quarterbacks, 
you're just going to get passed up. And really with any position, you're just going to get continually passed up here. But another interesting note with the $134 million is Goff now uh, ties Sam Bradford in career earnings. Sam Bradford's career (laughs) earnings, $134 million. And uh, I believe it, I I think Bradford made like $20 million last year, which is insane. Yeah, no, it is. It is amazing. You know, the guaranteed money is usually very important in contracts, and it is here too. But I feel like for the quarterbacks, if they're good, they're they're going to get the whole contract if they're good. So uh, uh, they do need to have guarantees built in. But look, Andy Dalton got all of his guarantees, right? He got his whole contract. He's still going. So uh, Jared Goff is probably going to get all that money. Yeah, it's funny because I forget where I heard this, but th- just a, a year or two ago, we were talking about, man, how do you give Kirk Cousins all that money? And all of a sudden, it's like, that's not so crazy anymore. I mean, like the, the bar just goes up so fast. Yeah, Cousins is twenty eight yeah. mil per year right now, which is currently seventh now after the golf yeah. deal. Yeah, I actually thought it would have been lower than that. <laughs> yeah, me too. It's um, not that big a deal anymore. Yeah, yep. It's just ahead of Garoppolo. Garoppolo is a half a mil under at number eight overall, and Stafford is a half a mil under Jimmy Garoppolo at twenty seven mil. It's wild, man. It's wild. And, and those Cousins and Garoppolo contracts were not long ago at all. And, the, and they're already surpassed by quite a bit, which makes me think that we're going to see the first $40 million man in Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> I think right. that's, that's just where the hunts slide over a blank check and he gets to write in whatever he wants. So it could be anything. I mean, if you're them, don't you want to sign before Deshaun Watson and before you want to do it as early as possible, right? Do you think that there's a chance that something like that happens even earlier than expected? Well, he's he can't do it until what, after his third season? So I think after this year, yeah. After this year, so I would think we could see something getting done in, you know, in March. I want to go back to running backs really quick because the, the Melvin Gordon situation is so odd, and the latest news with that situation is that the Los Angeles Chargers are seeking a first-round draft pick as compensation. For Melvin Gordon. And to me, there's no chance they're going to get a first round pick. Matt and I were talking about this yesterday that may or maybe the day before that maybe a third round pick for Gordon could make some sense. And I could see somebody trying to do that. But is this the Chargers saying, OK, Melvin and your agents, go ahead, seek a trade. Let us know when a team offers a one. So is that giving the Chargers more leverage when they come back and realize that Gordon maybe isn't in that high of a demand around the league? Yeah, I can't imagine somebody offering a, you know, a huge bounty of draft picks could you Matt no I mean the, the the thing we've heard today and I don't know how true it is but it was just a blurb I read was the Eagles offered Jordan Howard for him you know but <laughs> yeah <laughs> like again the the Eagles yeah, playing chess when everyone's playing checkers they offered well uh, kick the tire yeah yeah see what you can do Jordan Howard and like a mid-round pick let's go right right and it didn't even sound like the mid-round pick was involved just like hey we'll give you Jordan Howard if you want to get rid of him I just think, I, you know, every organization is different. And to me, it's just interesting that I think uh, Zeke is perceived to be a, the engine that makes the Cowboys go. And Rivers is that guy for the Chargers. And the Chargers are a organization that is infrequent, you know, frequent uh, contract. Disputes. Yes, they're not, mm-hmm. uh, you know, known as the most generous team. So um, they, to me, there's been an edge to what they've said. You know, the way they publicly declared it is sort of like you would declare it in 1990 when the players had no power at all. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It just yeah. felt very old school and terse. It's interesting because when it comes to the Chargers and Melvin Gordon, uh, I, I get. I think it's smart that Gordon 
is right now trying to cash in after he had just had the first season that he'd averaged more than 3.9 yards per carry. Because I think there was some time before this, uh, before last season that people were wondering if Gordon was, you know, not worth a first round pick in the first place. And maybe, you know, it was just not as, uh, as advertised coming out of college. But I wonder if at this point he's maybe overplayed his hand in whatever the last deal the Chargers offered might be the best he'd see from any team. Although I don't hey, know what I'm that a- number is. Almost makes you feel like you have to be an A-list guy. You know, I mean, Lev Bell or better to pull this type of deal off. I mean, like Gordon, like, yeah, you're a really nice player. You're a pro bowler. We'd love to have you, but you're not that much different than the guy I can get in the third round next year. And and you got to know who you're arguing with. It's the Chargers, right? It's not these other Mm -hmm. I just feel like that's not who you're going to – that's not the bank you're going to hold up. Yeah, and the further this thing goes, the more it seems like it's going to be a situation where Gordon has to sit out to about week 10, but he can still accrue a season if he comes back week 10, and then because it won't really help him that much if he doesn't accrue that season, so he's got to come back at some point, and I, th- I believe week 10 is that cutoff point, come back, then you know maybe he's on a new team next year, but at this point, yeah, things do not look good on the Melvin Gordon front, but I want to switch gears here. Real quick, Brian, though, you yeah. had a good point yesterday, though, that if a top back from a contending team goes down in the next couple of weeks, that would make an awful lot of sense. Right. And that's not an uncommon thing to happen. So that no. might be the best scenario for everybody if or at least for the people that don't, the didn't lose their yeah, they didn't lose their <laughs> their top running back. But that could be the way out for this uh, before week 10. Uh, let's move on here to I'm really interested in, in getting into some of these teams. And I want to hear what the most interesting ones for you guys were with the NFL execs. What they said on all 32 teams and what those teams should worry about entering this season. And Mike, before we get into specific teams, I don't know what you're at liberty to say from your conversations with NFL front office people from uh, from all of these series of articles that you've talked to. And I'm guessing you've talked to tons of people around the league now. But were there any conversations that stood out to you or did you come away impressed with an individual in a way that was like, oh, this is a certain future GM or this is one of the smartest people in the league that I've talked to? Oh, they were all dummies. No, um, <laughs> yeah, no, none of them actually. They'll hire anybody. Um, well, that, you know, that's the key. I do talk to a lot of people, but really, so so the key to so much of this is talking to the right people because there are a lot of people in the league with, you know, somewhat of opinions. But you sort of learn who your guys are that you like to talk to, um, you know, somewhat regularly, and and so I try to hone that down when um, when doing something like this to so just make sure most of the stuff is. Um, is interesting. And for some teams, it's hard because there's, there's obvious things, right? Like that anybody could say. So I kind of like, um, you know, when you're talking to somebody and they come up with something just, uh, you know, a little bit more uh, off the radar, like, you know, I hadn't really thought for Tennessee. If you look at Tennessee's staff, um, there's just not a lot of experience, NFL experience, on the defensive staff after Dean Pease. And so the fact that Dean Pease um, actually left a game with a medical issue last year, 70 years old, um, has retired once. I just found that type of thing in the back of my mind, something I really wasn't thinking about. But, um, you know, Tennessee is in that AFC South race as much as anyone. I know Houston's going to probably be the favorite by most, but I think all four teams have a shot, a realistic scenario where they could win it. And margin for error can be, you know, can be small. So, as they get to ready to go into their season, I thought that was just something to, you know, keep in the back of my mind that I never would have written down as a thing to look out for. That is really interesting because you could easily just hear a lot of people saying, well, if Mariota doesn't take a step up, they're not going to go anywhere. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, my, my neighbor could probably tell you that. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Or so, Brady falls off a cliff, you know, the Pats are in trouble. Yeah, I get that. Right. And that was the thing everybody said first on New England, too. And so uh, I accounted for that, you know, said, hey, father time catching up with them suddenly is the annual concern. But it gets a little repetitive to say that. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, you look at really their their coaching situation, which everything's probably going to be fine with Belichick. But, you know, defensively, they tried to bring in Shiano. You know, they lost Flores, who called the plays last year. And so if if Belichick has to call the defense, however they're going to handle that, he's going to do just great. He's amazing. But it just takes 1% away from something else, you know, and for, for an operation that is all about 1% edges here and there, just something to keep in the back of our mind that could have impacts behind the scenes that we won't even ever be able to measure. Yeah, that's, that's really cool. Let's take a quick break here and okay. then come back and we'll get into those specific teams because this, this is a good spot for a break. Folks, it's time to celebrate. Football is finally back. And DraftKings, the leader in one-day fantasy football, has huge week one contests this Sunday that you will not want to miss. To kick off the NFL season, DraftKings is giving new users a free shot at $2 million in prizes with your first deposit. And you can put in the code Locked On, all one word, all caps, during sign-up. Draft your lineup and feel the, <laughs> feel the sweat like never before. Every run, throw, and catch mean more with the DraftKings lineup on the line. It's simple. Draft your lineup, you stay under the salary cap, and see how your team stacks up against the competition. Plus, all new and existing users can get a deposit bonus up to $500. That's some extra cash to play with this football season. Nothing adds to the sweat of watching the games quite like having a shot at $2 million in prizes. So, Download the DraftKings app now and use our code Locked On for a limited time. Both new and u- existing users can get a deposit bonus up to five hundred dollars, and new users don't miss this extra special Week One bonus. Enter our code Locked On to get a free shot at two million dollars in prizes with your first deposit. I mean, why would you do that? That code is Locked On only at DraftKings. There's a minimum of $5 deposit required. Deposit bonuses require five, 25 times playthrough. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. Okay, Matt, you want to lead the way? I know you got some teams you want to hear about here, so let's uh, let's jump into this. Yeah, let's start with the, the opening night game. I mean, we got the 100-year the anniversary Thursday night Packers-Bears. What are people worried about with these two teams? Yeah, you know, with Green Bay... Um, I'm just—I think it's going to be under a microscope the, the relationship between Rodgers and the, and the coach and how that all goes. And I think people who follow the Packers, the fans that are there every day, think it's an overblown storyline that it's a that it's a radio talk show uh, special that doesn't have a lot of uh, nutritional value to it. But I disagree. I mean, I think it is a, an issue. I think that the way that whole thing unfolded with McCarthy. Um, remember, there was stuff before that with Tom Clements who was in the mix and I think, you know, liked by Rogers and then was gone. There's a, there's a history there that is still playing out. And so when you have such a unestablished coach coming in with a legend, you know, these legend guys, quarterbacks late in their careers aren't always easy to handle. And um, I think it's a critical crossroad point for, for Rogers career. So how that plays out, I know that's not one, you know, that, that's not a hidden thing, but I think it's an important thing. Do you agree? I do. And, I don't know that you've heard this or you want to divulge it if true, but I, I just have heard Rogers isn't all rainbows and unicorns and hugs and kisses and the easiest guy to get along with either. And he might be awfully set in his ways. And, you know, he's an ad lib guy and this offense is not about ad living. 
Yeah, I, I think he's also just, uh, I think he's really a smart guy. And sometimes, yeah. Um, yeah, sometimes being an extra smart guy, I wouldn't know this. You guys might know it, but sometimes being <laughs> no, an extra smart no. guy. Um, though, you know, you know what I mean? It's hard to let stuff go or it's hard to, um, you know, it's, it's hard to, I don't want to say suffer fools because the, the coaches aren't fools. They're really smart guys too. But you know what I mean? When you think you have the opinion on something. And it's worked. Yeah, I don't think Rogers. I think Rogers is not the type of guy. It's harder for Rogers to say yes, sir. Sure. No, that makes sense. And there's also, you know, there's been rumors for years about you know him being on the outs even with his family, and he just he yeah. seems to have a, a tough time getting along with people for long periods of time, which is interesting. And I wish I had more inside information because I actually went to junior college with Aaron Rodgers. I could have sat next to him in you class. At Butte College, I went to Butte College, and I could have sat next to him in class, and I would have had no idea. I didn't realize who Aaron Rodgers was until um, I was looking at this prospect from Cal, and they're like, "Oh, he's from Chico, California. He went to Butte College." And I was like, "What the hell? He went to Butte College? I had I had no idea. Um, I was a walk on on the baseball team. I didn't play football or anything. But um, yeah, unfortunately, I don't have any inside info there on the Rodgers family. But it just seems to to follow him, and it's been multiple steps, multiple people, multiple whispers around. So you got to think there's something to it. Yeah, absolutely. And every one of them could be easily explained and dismissed. But when you patch them all together, you know, they got rid of the GM. Now I know Ted Thompson had health issues, but they got rid of the head coach. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, there, there's just that's of great interest to, you know, to me. For, for, um, for the Bears, I think the worry was, a, you know, is a little bit conventional with them, too. I mean, I think everybody feels like it'll be hard to be that great on defense again. So if there's a little bit of slippage, you know, I think Vic Fangio did a great job and nothing against Chuck Pagano, but that's about as good as that defense as can probably be. They sort of, you know, um, spent their, you know, their upgrade investments last off season. And so it's, it's largely somewhat of the same team with maybe changing the D coordinator. And now people on defense, you know, have, have a year of Matt Nagy and studied a little bit and can Trubisky make up the difference for, whatever slippage there might be. Cause remember this was a really Best good team last year, yeah. but they didn't advance. You know what I mean? They lost at home in the playoffs. So how much further are they going to get and how much further can Trubisky take them? How about the Brownies? I mean, I think there's some obvious ones, but I'm just curious if the GMs and whatnot agree with me. Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I just think when you have that many guys that uh, are good players, but weren't wanted by their teams. And we're talking mostly about Beckham and we're talking to some degree about Landry. Uh, but there's others, you know, uh, Kareem Hunt was let go. There's a lot of personalities and you've got a first time coach. Um, how is that all going to be managed with the expectations? I think there are three of their first five games are in prime time. That's a place that could really do well or totally unravel. I think on the field, and I, I didn't, I don't think this, this part didn't make it into there, but you know, just the offensive tackle situation too. I, th- I think that's one, um, to watch for them. And, you know, a little bit, I, ironically, they open against the, the Titans who have a bunch of, or coincidentally, uh, who have a bunch of tackle issues, but don't forget who they have playing tackle too. And, and, you know, how does that factor into things for the year? Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say is it's different being the hunted than the team that's coming off zero wins with a new head coach, combustible personalities for good or bad. But I think people are overlooking and I'd say the whole O-line, I think that O-line might be in the bottom five, six, seven, eight in the league now all of a sudden. that That's a problem. There's not a lot of foundation on offense. Yeah, and I think, you know, more broadly, I think there's a lot of top-end talent there without a lot of depth. And look, that's yeah. not a shot at John Dorsey, who's been there for 10 minutes. You know, you can't, <laughs> right. you can't suddenly have a great team. 
they've done a great job of getting talent. But um, you know, compared to some of the other teams that have built been built a little bit more traditionally soundly, you know what I mean? Like the Colts, right? Colts are crazy. But the Colts, uh, second round actually, picks was, all over the place. Yeah, I was at the joint practices between the Colts and the Browns, and I was that's what I was thinking was, hey, the Colts have done this throughout their roster. I think we have time here. We can get to a couple more teams. Uh, one of the teams I find very interesting, and I'm wondering what execs around the league say about the Houston Texans, because the team that doesn't really have a GM, I got to imagine front office people are like, oh, they're, you can't do that. You're, you're, you are screwing up big time, uh, especially if I'm a GM and I'm thinking, okay, you're not going to hire a GM. You're trying to go through this without one of us. Um, that's a big time L. What's the feeling around the league yeah. about the Texans? Well, yeah, no, no doubt about it. I mean, I didn't, I didn't overthink that one. I mean, it really was the lack of a GM and how that affects your team and your planning and the moves you make, the decisions, how you do it, your ability to maneuver within the league, which was an issue, you know, arguably on draft day, even when they had a GM, when they got out maneuvered by the Eagles that appeared for the first round draft choice tackle um, from Washington State. And really, I wouldn't underrate that as a triggering point for uh, where they're at and taking Tunsil. Imagine if they'd gotten Dillard. I think they may, the GM still may be there. I mean, it really could mm-hmm. have come down to, some, mm-hmm. to that being a trigger. So just the, yeah, organizationally and how that's going to shake itself out. You know, I think on the field, there's a little bit of a concern in the secondary. And I don't think the offensive line's just totally 100% solved yet either. A team I'm really warming up to, especially because of their front seven and their weapons and a better O-line is the, is the Panthers. And, I think that the shortcut is, well, Cam's got to stay healthy and look, he's in a boot. and But all systems seem like they're go. He's throwing fine. Uh, is there other concerns? Well, so you like the offensive line right now? I mean, yeah. I thought they did good things this offseason, adding Paradis and Little. And I think it's much better than it was or it's been. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think it's still a little bit unsettled and undetermined whether Little um, is going to be the answer on the left side. And that was one of the concerns. Um, that was raised, I think, bigger picture. Bigger picture, you're shifting a little bit uh, in your style of defense at a time in your development where your coach has been there forever, your GM has been there a little bit, and your owner may be looking for new people in the next year or two. You never know, but that typically happens. If you don't have a good season, the owner's going to hire. And so I, I just think there, there's a little bit more of a bigger picture of, hey, what are they? where are they at as an organization, and how well do they have to do this year to keep it going? Are they positioned for the long term? All right, great stuff, fellas. We're out of time here. we got to cut it off. Uh, Mike, always a pleasure, and thank you so much for your time. It's always a pleasure reading your stuff. you got to find his work at theathletic.com. Find Mike Sando at SandoNFL on Twitter. Mike, always much appreciated. Thank you. And for Matt Williamson, I'm Brian Peacock signing off here. Be back tomorrow. Breaking down, we'll make our picks tomorrow for week one of the NFL season. Locked on NFL.